Philippians 4 and 14 ask the question, for what is your life? And until you ask yourself this question, you cannot ask yourself what you would like for your life to be. Until you know where you are, you can't ever determine where you're going to go. So this is an impacting question. What is your life? God wants us to ask ourselves that question. And then Jeremiah 24, verse 6 through 7, these verses we will use the entire year, for I will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them back to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. Then I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and they shall return to me with their whole heart. What a promise. That is God's word to this congregation for this year. He has set his eyes on us for good. And he will bring us into our land and build us and not pull us down, plant us and not pluck us up. And he will give us a heart to know him that he will be our God and we will be his people and we will return to him with our whole heart. These incredible promises that God has made to you about that God has made to you are about your life. He has set his eyes on you for good. And I've been saying in this series that when you build your dream, we're not talking about things because anybody that's ever had real trouble in their life knows that you can, if you have real trouble, money in the bank account doesn't make you feel any better. A nice car in the driveway doesn't make you feel any better about the circumstance. The bed you sleep in can be the finest in, in the finest house in the city, but if you got real trouble, you can't sleep. And so when I talk about build your dream, I'm talking about your life. All of those other things are nice if your life is together, but if your life is falling apart, those things don't help you. And in the book of Revelation 12 and 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives unto death. The word of their testimony. In the Greek, the word testimony means evidence or a report that is given by a witness as in a judicial case. It is a legally binding statement. It is a declaration of truth that does not change with the circumstances. And so they overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb and their declared word that did not change regardless of the circumstance. Amen. It was legally binding. Father, I ask you to speak a word to us today that, as I always pray, will be inspired by your Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and then move us to not only be touched by that word but to be changed by it, to respond to it. We don't want to just be hearers of the word, but we want our lives to be impacted and changed by it. We ask in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So when we talk about building your dream, there are actually steps in making your dream become a reality that you have to take. You've got to see it. You've got to say it. You've got to pray it. You've got to pay it. Because there's a price to pay. You've got to play it, which is the, the cards that life has dealt you. You don't get to get somebody else's hand. You've got to stay it, 
which means you can't give up, and then you've got to sanctify it, which means at the end of the day, you've got to give God the glory. Some people don't survive their own success. They forget who brought them to where they are. As I've pointed out, living the dream is always more about the quality of your life than it is the things you have in your life. And I've been teaching you that what we have to learn to do is recognize that our dream oftentimes, if not usually, comes disguised as a challenge. It does. Everybody has a dream, and most people, when their dream is challenged, they become disillusioned. They give up. They quit. They become uninspired. They feel that maybe they didn't hear from God. They feel abandoned, that God left them. They feel betrayed. And oftentimes, people, when they encounter a challenge, think that instead of God keeping his promise, that God has let them down. And some people tread water from that point forward for the rest of their lives. And what I'm trying to show you is that everyone faces a challenge. Amen. Everyone does. Now, I'm from Louisiana, as everybody knows, so I enjoy telling jokes about my Cajun culture and my heritage because my mother is Cajun. So if you're visiting with us and you don't know that, don't think I'm picking on anyone. This is my blood, I'm, my bleed I'm talking about here. You know what I mean? Amen. Somebody met me in the hallway this morning, and, and they said, uh, Como se va? Hey, I felt right at home. Amen. But Thibodeau had left home to attend his and Boudreaux's monthly royal order of the Raccoon Lodge meeting. And 20 minutes after he left, he walked back in the door, and Clotilde, his wife, asked Tib, I thought you was going to your lodge meeting. What you doing back home already? And Thibodeau sadly replied, my shad's like this. He said, we had to cancel the meeting. He said, because Boudreaux is our lodge's grand, exalted, maximum, invincible, supreme emperor and potentate. But his wife, Marie, wouldn't let him out of the house. <laughs> you always run into a challenge when you start trying to be invincible. When you start trying to be who you are. The question is... Well, how do you respond to your challenge? Do you stick it out or do you cave in? Do you get stuck? Do you quit? Do you become discouraged? Do you blame others? Do you change your, your job? I'm going to leave this job. I thought it was going well, and then I encountered a problem. I'm quitting. I'm leaving this family. I thought I'd met the person of my dreams, and then you encountered a problem. Every marriage is wonderful on the honeymoon. Amen. But there's something that comes after the honeymoon. And that's when you have to learn to live together. And I've told you before, my wife and I have never once contemplated divorce. We've considered murder on several occasions, but <laughs> never once thought about divorce. And I've got the best wife in the world. Amen. I told her, if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and I mean that too, after all these years. But some people encounter the problem of adjusting and learning to live together, and they want to they trash the marriage. They want to get out of the marriage, find another husband or another wife, another job, another church because they encountered a problem, another community, another school for their children. They teach themselves a pattern that becomes responsible for their failure. 
they teach themselves to not look for the promise that is in the problem. Because usually your problem is actually a miracle in disguise. When God gets ready to bless you, he will nearly always send it looking like a problem. Nearly always. Amen. And as I pointed out a couple of weeks ago, over 95% of us see only the negative in a challenge. We don't see it as an opportunity. At that point is when most people give up. And from that time forward, you hear what I'm saying, their life becomes a drab, colorless existence, a mundane existence with no meaning or no flavor. Many people, after some years of that, end up turning to anything they can to try to give their life meaning and to self-medicate their boredom. They turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, they turn to affairs, the pursuit of possessions, an obsession with sports, not picking on anybody. Because today is Super Bowl, they turn to a hobby, they watch endless hours of TV, anything to live in just a self-induced state of oblivion because they have spun off into a backwater. And if you were to train, uh, re, re, retrace their steps back to where that started, they encountered a challenge and they didn't face the challenge that came. All they saw was the pain in the problem. They didn't see that it was really a miracle disguised as a problem. I'm preaching right now. Fewer than 5% of people realize that that problem actually is my opportunity. Amen. And they have taught themselves to look for the opportunity in a problem. And as a result of that, they, are you hearing, use the problem that other people are stopped by. They use it to build their dream. It becomes the instrument that causes their dream to become a reality. What happens to the 95% or better who stop when they encounter the problem? Robert Martinez sent me this quote the other day from Tony Gaskins that I absolutely love. Tony said this, if you don't build your dream, someone will hire you to build theirs. And that's where most people are at building somebody else's dream because when they encountered a problem that was designed to kick them to the next level, they ran from it. There's a reason why. You will find this incredible principle that I'm about to teach of a challenge actually being your dream in disguise applied throughout all of Scripture. In Judges 14, 10 through 14, Samson is about to get married. So his father went down to the woman Samson was engaged to, and Samson gave a feast there like a bachelor's party for the young men used to do this. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. What you have to realize is they didn't have weaving uh, looms and machines that could spin out one shirt after a pair of trousers as fast as you could. Uh, these had to be hand-woven on a little hand loom. It took days and days and days to complete one garment. Many people only had one or two garments in that day. 
And for him to offer them a change of raiment meant that they were getting ready to get something that was a worth a lot of money. Like these hand-woven Persian rugs that are worth many, many thousands of dollars, depending on how many knots are tied in one square inch. It was the same way with these linen garments. So they were anxious to solve the riddle. They wanted to solve the riddle. And they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now let's leave that for just a moment. We'll get back to the riddle. But I love this guy's name. Say it with me, Samson. Amen. You ever know anybody named Samson? I've met a few people in my lifetime named Samson. I don't know that most of us are aware of what that name means. Do you know what it means in the Hebrew, anybody? Didn't think so. What it means is sunshine. That's what it means. Either his parents were the most thoughtless parents ever created or they were the best parents ever born. But can you imagine being in school with a name like Sunshine? Hey, hey, Sunshine, come over here and shed some light on this and tell me who's going to win the Super Bowl today. He must have been picked on unmercifully. Amen. On the other hand, I kind of think that this name, they named him that for a different kind of reason. They named him that deliberately because they were childless and they were about to have a child and they meant it more like Stevie Wonder did when he wrote the song, You Are the Sunshine of My Life, amen. What they were saying is every time they called him, you're sunshine to me. You're not darkness and God knows if there's anything a child needs, it's somebody to make him feel special, amen. Most of us grew up without that or without a whole lot of that. Amen. And Samson grew up every day with his parents reminding him, you're the brightest thing that's happened in our lives. You're sunshine. You're the sunshine of our lives. Hey, sunshine, come over here and, and just let me look at you. You brought joy to my heart. Well, Samson is now grown and he is on a trip to an area and a lion jumps out. Now, how many of you know that a lion is a problem? Amen. You understand that? A lion meets you in the road, that is a problem. Y'all remember, was it the, it was a, th a Nike commercial or Adidas, someone correct me, where there was these two Maasai guys in East Africa and they're walking along and a lion jumps out and roars and one of them stops and starts taking off his sandals and putting on the shoes his tennis shoes, and I think it was Nike. Is that right? And, and, and anyway, his front friend looks at him and says, you can't outrun that line. Why are you putting those things on? He said, he said I don't need to outrun the line. I just need to outrun you. Amen. Yeah. yeah, most of the time, if you encounter a lion, it's a problem. And what do you do with most problems? Most people run. Like I said a while ago, they're expecting, they're expecting a blessing, a challenge comes, and they, they, they just flip it into neutral from that time forward. God let me down. God betrayed me. I'm changing churches. I'm changing jobs. I'm changing husbands, wives. I'm, I'm changing everything. And you don't realize that no matter where you are, there you are. You didn't change anything. It's still you in the middle of it. Oh, I'm preaching a lot better than some of you are acting like I'm preaching right now. Amen. Amen. And, and Samson didn't run from the lion. He saw opportunity 
where 95% or most people saw a problem, he saw opportunity. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he killed that lion with his bare hands. Now, he came back through that area, and remember, this is the Middle East, right? So it's hot and it's dry. And when he comes back through, that lion's body is desiccated and dried out, almost as hard as this pulpit. It's just the, the water's just been soaked right out of it. And inside that lion, a swarm of wild bees have set up their hive, and it is filled with honey. One time right here at the church, we had a swarm of bees get right there in that back wall. And while we were having service, and, and uh, I mean, they had already started producing honey. People were afraid. I mean, we had to call people to come out and remove those. But, but I mean, the, these bees set up right in the body of this lion. And Samson passes back through, sees the lion, and thinks, man, that's strange. Look at that swarm of bees. Looks at it, and there's honey throughout the lion. Now, here's what happens if you don't run from your problem. God causes the problem to produce honey. Amen. Oh, hallelujah to the lamb. Amen. Your dream comes disguised as a problem. You don't run from it. You confront it, and God gets you through it. What was meant to kill you ends up promoting you. Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It happens every time, and for that to happen, you've got to say it. You can't look at, oh, my sky's falling, world's falling apart. I'm leaving my wife, leaving my husband, leaving my job, leaving, you know, all of this, leaving my church. I'm quitting this. I'm getting out of ministry. I'm this, that, and the other. And every time you do that, you're setting yourself up for pain. You're setting yourself up for hurt. David found the honey by killing Goliath. Everybody else ran from him because all they saw was the problem. David saw opportunity where the rest of them saw a problem. That's the principle of Scripture. Everybody else would have run from the cross. Jesus embraced it. Why? Because you find honey when you embrace your problem. Amen. Paul Three times prayed for his affliction to be removed. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient, Paul. The reason I'm giving you so many revelations is that's the honey from facing your lion. Amen. You want me to remove the lion? The revelation goes with it. Paul said, I'll keep the lion. Thank you. Because I'd rather have the revelation. And that's how you ought to be. Keep the problem so you can get the honey out of it. Don't run from it. Hello, somebody. Every problem you ever face, every challenge you ever face will contain eight things. The, num the number eight is the number of new beginnings. The, what I'm going to tell you is a quick formula for how to turn a challenge into a fresh start. Number one, there will always be in your challenge the pain of the problem. Amen. As I pointed out, that's all over 95% of people see. Most people see only the pain. Number two, there is your perception of the problem. Everyone has a perspective of what they are facing that is their perception of what is happening. Most people develop a perception of the problem based upon the pain that is in the problem. I don't want to go through this. This is painful. This is hurting. And they turn and run away. 
You have to be able to see, number three, the potential in the problem. That's what less than 5% of humanity has taught themselves to do. They face the same problem as everybody else, same challenge as their next-door neighbor. Their marriage goes through the same thing. They have the same difficulty on their job, but they've taught themselves to look for the potential in the problem. Amen. Somebody help me. Oh, listen to this. I, I, I've, got word, I've got a word for you. Number four, there is the promise that's in the potential. That is, if you can solve that problem and not run from it, if you can change your perspective and you can say, yes, it's a lion, but I'm going to get some honey out of that while everybody else is running from it. If you're, you can see the potential in it, you know what happens? There's a promise inside that problem, and that promise will change your life and make you rich. Years ago, there was a problem with transportation, but somebody had a different perspective. His name was Henry Ford, and he developed an automobile, and he got the promise out of the problem, amen, and founded Ford Motor Company to become one of the wealthiest dynasties in the United States of America. Years ago, there was a problem with flying, but two guys saw potential where everybody else saw nothing but impossibility. And you know what they did? They built a craft and flew it at Kitty Hawk, the Wright brothers. And if you can teach yourself to look for the potential in the problem, the promise that's in that problem can be yours. Amen. But there's always the process to the promise. That's number five. You don't even see the process until you stop looking at the pain. I'm talking about the plan you develop. Because if you'll stop looking at the pain and complaining about it, you know what's going to happen? You're going to realize there's a path through this. You're looking at the Red Sea and you see nothing but pain. God said there's a path right through the middle of even the Red Sea. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a process you got to walk through. Am I talking to anybody right now? And that is when you begin to develop your plan, the plan that's going to elevate your life. I love what Jim Rohn says about this. If you don't design your own life plan, chances are you will fall into someone else's. And guess what they have planned for you? Not much. That's the truth. Look at your neighbor and say, get your own plan. Would you do that? That's what happens to people that spin out into a back eddy. That's what happens when people give up and flip into neutral. That's what happens when all you see is the pain and say, I'm leaving, I'm quitting, I'm leaving this marriage, leaving this companion, this job, this church, this whatever, this ministry. You know what happens? You spin yourself off into a back eddy somewhere. You don't ever build your plan, and you end up building somebody else's and depending upon what they've planned for you, which isn't going to be much. And then number six, there's the payoff at the end of the process. Oh, Lord. Now, the payoff is the immediate benefit you receive, and it's short-term. It's the reward for having persevered. It's the raise. It's the promotion. It's the house getting built. Amen. It's uh, the woman's hand you win in marriage because it's the short-term benefit because you figured out a process and you stayed with it. Now you get the payoff. 
payoff, but the payoff is short-term, and it, 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 it's something that, that you got to start looking beyond because number seven, what you need to realize is in the payoff, there's a position. I'm talking to somebody right now. Uh-huh. Your position changes. Samson was never the same after he killed that lion. His position changed. Am I talking to anybody right now? You receive not only the prize of solving the problem, but solving the problem forever impacts and changes and elevates your life. You never look at a problem like that again as long as you live. First time, oh, it nearly terrified you. Now you just say, come on, baby, which way you want to lay down? Amen. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, I've walked through bigger than you getting to the fight. Come on, let's get it on right now. And, and you don't, you're not threatened and you're not upset and you reach a level of peace in your life that you don't get when you run from every problem and you take up every offense. I'm talking to you right now and I'm helping somebody. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you see, we live in a day and age when people will not advise you correctly either. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They don't give you good advice. I read something the other day that really blessed me. It said, friends will talk bad about you to your face, but good about you behind your back. That's exactly the opposite of what most folk do. Most folk talk bad about you behind your back and nice about you to your face. When your real friend's going to get in your face and say, "Uh uh-uh, don't do this. But then when you walk away and somebody else starts to get on your case, "Uh uh-uh, that's my friend over there. You leave them alone. And they've got your back. A real friend will talk good about you to your back, but they'll look you in the eye and tell you where you're off track. We have lost that art in the world we live in today. Amen. And so the real benefit is is you learn some things. It changes your position. After you've conquered that lion, that giant, gone through that Red Sea, you don't look at Red Seas anymore the same way. You don't even look at deserts once you've had manna on the ground. I like it. Because you're getting an education in all of this. And I, again, like what Jim Rohn said, he said, if someone's going down the, down, down the wrong road, he doesn't need motivation to speed him up. He needs education to turn him around. In other words, what we don't need when we're going down the wrong road is somebody, hoorah, keep going, you know, working us up. Uh Uh-uh. And somebody needs to sit us down and give us an education. And that's what happens whenever you walk through a problem and you develop a process. You come out on the other side knowing some stuff you didn't know when you went into it. And you know about God's faithfulness in a way that you didn't know about it before. Well, I'm talking right now. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know why? Because I've been in this valley before and God was with me. And that brings you to the eighth step or the eighth thing that is in every challenge. And that is the new platform that comes from your new position that in turn creates a new dimension of potential that you never would have reached had you bailed out and quit. But because you stayed, amen, and because you won the, you saw the potential and then the promise and you developed the process and you received the benefit of, of having worked through that thing and you developed and you came to a new position, you know what happens? You look around and realize that new position is a new platform too. Uh-huh. 
Now, all of a sudden, you can tell somebody else how to do it. You, you, you see, when David killed the giant, I don't want you to think that was the only giant killed in the Old Testament. When David killed it, everybody else figured out giants can be killed. Huh? And you know what? Some of David's very own men killed giants after that. Because once you get elevated, you have another platform. And that platform enables you to have influence in somebody else's life. And I'm preaching right now to somebody. You may be walking through some stuff, but this is your year to come out, baby. This is your year to build your dream. You say, Pastor's talking about building my dream, and here it is right out of the box. I've encountered a problem. You ought to be shouting and praising God because I'm talking to you right now. That's your miracle in disguise. Amen. It looks like a lion, but it's got honey if you'll stay. There's a breakthrough in the middle of all of that if you will just walk through it. Amen. Amen. Back to my subject, you've got to say it. If you want to see your dream become a reality, you've got to say it. You're made in the image of Almighty God. And like God, your word has creative power. And your self-talk will determine the quality of your life. And when you're walking through these steps, trust me when I tell you, the temptation is to stop saying the right thing and start talking the wrong thing. You want to start talking junk and trash I think of that little Syrophoenician woman so often in Scripture that the Gospel of Mark in chapter 7 tells us her, doc, her daughter was afflicted of a demonic spirit, and she was Syrophoenician, meaning she was Gentile, and Jesus would not even visit the Gentiles for 10 more years. And this little woman comes to Jesus 10 years ahead of her breakthrough date and says, Lord, my daughter's at home afflicted of a spirit. And he doesn't even answer and keeps on walking. She has to do that three times. And finally, Jesus says, in reference to the abominable uh, worship practices of pagan people in their temples, he refers to their pagan practices. And he says, it's not proper to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Because if you'd read how they worshiped, you'd understand his reference there wasn't insulting the woman. And the woman never got upset, and she said, Yea, Lord, but even the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the children's table. And, and you know what? Jesus stopped in his tracks, and Mark says, he said these words, For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Why did she get healed 10 years early? For this saying. Your saying can change everything. Amen. Sometimes you don't have anything but a saying. Sometimes you don't have friends. Sometimes you don't have family. Sometimes you don't have anybody in your corner. And all you've got is your own word. And you've got to do what David did. And you've got to talk to yourself. And you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Amen. 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 So you've got to say it first of all and declare your dream to yourself. To yourself. I like what the scripture said in Luke 15 about the prodigal son who had gone and wasted everything and ended up in a pig pen. It says this, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough in despair? And here I am perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father's house. Amen. Who was he talking to? He wasn't talking to anybody. There wasn't anybody else there. He was talking to himself. Amen. There's nothing wrong with talking to yourself. You got to talk to yourself once in a while. 
you got to look yourself in the mirror and you got to say, come on, self, get it together here. And don't you be influenced by the wrong self-talk because the wrong self-talk can mess you up and it can ruin your life. Hello. One of the most tragic of all stories is the fall of Lucifer, who was the anointed cherub that covered and led all of heaven's angels in worship. His self-talk destroyed him. Isaiah 14, it says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will sit on the, the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Five times he spoke, I, 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 the perpendicular pronoun. I will, I will, I will. Five different times he said it, but he said the wrong thing. Be careful what you say to yourself. Amen. Because your self-talk can get you in more trouble than anybody else can get you into. Oh, I wish I had an amen right now. You need to be like David. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Change your self-talk and you'll change your life. You got to say it. Somebody help me. Say it. I said, somebody help me. Say it. You've also got to say it to others because sometimes nobody believes in you. Sometimes nobody's got your back. Sometimes you're out there by yourself. Sometimes nobody sees in you what God has put in you. And sometimes you've got to believe when nobody else believes. Amen. Amen. Told you a while ago, false friends will talk good to your face and bad behind your back. But a real friend will talk bad to your face and good behind your back. Amen. Which kind of friends do you have in your life? Today's Super Bowl, and without a doubt, America's two greatest teams will compete today. The quarterbacks for both teams had to overcome the doubt of others and continue to pursue their dream. You see, you got to believe and persevere even when others don't want to give you a chance. Amen. I think of Tom Brady, raised in San Diego's life dream was to play for the Chargers. They wouldn't even look at him. It was, he was a six-round draft pick by the New England Patriots. Wouldn't even be picked by the team in the town that he was raised in to their regret. Why? Because nobody saw his heart. And how many in this building have been passed over and nobody knows what's really working on the inside of you? Life has gone by and others have, have not seen your potential. People have tried to discourage you, but you keep hanging in there and keep hanging in there. And you know what? You've got to keep saying it no matter who's listening, that I'm going to make this my year to build my dream. And this year I'm coming out. Yes, it is. I am. This is my year. It is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When nobody else believes in you, you got to keep believing in yourself. Say it. You got to say it. You got to keep on saying it. Every time somebody else says something negative, you got to keep on saying it to yourself and you got to say it to others. And you've also even got to say it to the problem. 
one of the most life-changing principles I ever learned. In Mark 11 and 23, Jesus said that if you will speak to the mountain, he said, whoever says to his mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You got to talk to your challenge sometimes. You got to talk to your mountain. You got to talk to your problem. You got to say, look, you don't scare me. I faced stuff like you before and I'm still here and nobody believed in me but here I am anyway and you can get the wrong self-talk going and if you're not careful, it will mess up your life. You've got to keep talking to others. You've got to keep saying it to yourself. You've got to keep saying it to the problem. And yes, you even have to keep saying it to God. In your prayers, God, I believe. I believe your word for me is true. God, I am your child. Your promises for me and Jeremiah are going to come to pass. Yes, today is Super Bowl 49. It'll be played between the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. And this is as good as sporting competition can get in America. It is. Just as a side note, I like the fact that one of the halftime performers today is Lenny Kravitz. Some of you don't know whether to pick up your false teeth or just... Amen. No offense, man. I'll give you a moment if you want to bend over and pick him up where they just fell out. Amen. You know why I admire Lenny Kravitz? I admire him because in this day of declining convictions and morality, after nearly letting success ruin his life here some years ago, he found God and had an encounter with God. And for some years now, he has maintained a vow of celibacy that he says he will not break until he is married. We have people in church that don't even do that. Hello? I'm preaching right now. Y'all just forgive me. I just feel an anointing. Uh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Amen. On his back is a very large tattoo where he's had tattooed, My heart belongs to Jesus. Amen. The other headliner for the halftime show is Katy Perry. Now, her, it's a different story. They're actually taking bets on how much cleavage she's going to show today. I'm serious. Heard commentators laughing about it. What's sad is her mom and dad are spirit-filled pastors, but she hasn't necessarily represented people of faith very well, even though she was raised as a believer in a spirit-filled Christian home. What has happened to her faith is one reason that while in this series on building your dream, I want to talk about our need to survive it. Because a lot of people, God puts them in a place, and once they get there, they forget the God that brought them to where they've climbed to. (laughs) Hear what I'm saying. Now, I don't mean to be offensive, but I don't care if it's Katy Perry or Beyonce or who it is. Don't let your success destroy you. Amen. Too many believers depend on God to get to where they're going. And once they get there, they forget all about God. And they fail to represent him and use their influence to build his kingdom. But as I mentioned, it's Super Bowl today. And I like the Super Bowl not only because it has two of the greatest quarterbacks in America that will be competing. And not only because Lenny Kravitz is playing halftime. 
but I really like this guy, Russell Wilson. And I'm not going to choose sides because some of you are New England Patriots fans, and here I am all dressed in my neutral outfit today. But Russell Wilson makes no apologies for the fact that he is an outspoken Christian and believer. That's right. At the age of 14, he had an encounter with God when Jesus appeared to him in a dream, gave his heart to the Lord, and has been outspoken in his faith ever since then. He'll get on the field and pray. He don't care who's looking and give God the glory. And, I, and I'm not making any apologies. Uh, you need to know this. When it comes to matters of faith, I'm not making any more apologies. Amen. All else being equal, whenever I can, I have decided to cheer for my fellow believers in whatever their profession is. Amen. Whether that's in electronics or Super Bowl, whether it's in music or whether it's in mixed martial arts, if you're an outspoken believer and you're standing on your convictions, I want you to know I'll take my hat off to you. Now... Maybe Tom Brady is a committed Christian because somebody said every time he throws, makes a touchdown, he does this. I don't know. Maybe it means he, he's giving God the credit. But all I can say is at this stage of my life, if you're a Christian, come out and say it and let me get on your side. And, and uh, that's all I'll say about that. And you got to say some stuff because like Tom Brady, Russell Wilson is an underdog. And just here, the way he got into the Super Bowl makes a hair on the nap of my neck stand up. Last two minutes of the game, down so far in the hole the other day that there was no way he could climb out through four interceptions. And you know what he did? He won the game anyway. And Well, watch it. Watch it. This is his interview, and you'll see him crying at the end, giving God the glory. Russell, just tell me, I mean, what are you thinking right now? God is so good all the time, man. Every time. These guys on this team are unbelievable, man. The fight, the fight, the relentless fight over and over again. The people used to doubt, man. We're just excited to be on this team. We're excited to play with the guys. I mean, four minutes left in the game, three minutes, four interceptions, and just keep playing. And the guys just keep believing in me, man. You got to give credit to the, to the Packers. They had an unbelievable season. And it's just, just honored, man. Just honored, just blessed to be on this team. Pete Carroll told me at the half, this offense just needs to stay patient. They need to stay with it. Easier said than done. What was key for you guys there? Just making the plays at the end. Keep believing. There was no doubt. I, I just had no doubt. We, we had no doubt as a team. And, oh man, just making the plays. Funny thing is, I was on the sideline right before we went out for that last drive. And I told Bevel, be ready for the check to the play that we just ran through the touchdown. So I'm going to throw a touchdown and win the game. Sure enough, man. Just, I just believe God's prepared me for these situations. God's prepared our team, too, as well. And just, I'm just, like I said, I'm honored to be on this team. I'm going to the Super Bowl again. Yes, you are. Congratulations. Thank you. And he's going to the Super Bowl today. What am I trying to tell you? You gotta say it. You gotta say it when nobody believes in you. You've gotta say it. You gotta keep on saying it. You gotta say it to others. You've gotta say it to yourself. You've gotta say it to God. You gotta say it. You gotta say it. You gotta say it. You've gotta say, I will be healed. I will be strong. Don't run from every problem you encounter. 
Because that problem coming towards you is actually a miracle disguised as a problem. It's going to elevate you if you stay with it. It's going to get you through to the end. It's going to be the reason you were promoted. God needs an opportunity to show up and show out in your life. And that's why you got a problem right now.